Hi, this is Julia Golding. Are you looking for a way to find a gentle beginning to your life as a fantasy writer? Or maybe you're just wanting to brush up your existing skills, but you don't have time to come to a class. Well, we've devised for you the perfect beginner's course. You can find it on our website. The course is full of exciting chapters for you to take at your own pace starting with packing your bag and setting out on an adventure. And over the course of the lessons, you'll learn to find a hero, gather allies and get under your belt all the basic skills you'll need to write yourself your fantasy story. So why not have a look at this today and see if it suits you? And I look forward to meeting you in our chat room, which comes along with the course. So what are you waiting for? Time to pack your bag and get writing. Hello and welcome to Mythmakers. Mythmakers is the podcast for fantasy fans and fantasy creatives brought to you by the Oxford Centre for Fantasy. My name is Julia Golding. I'm the director of the centre, but I am also a writer. So today we are doing a podcast where we've asked our followers to send in questions. We said, ask us anything, which is always a little bit worrying when you send out a request like that. But we've had some questions sent in to us and I'm going to spend the podcast answering them. So the first part is going to be about different fantasy questions. And the second part is about our exciting new project in Oxford at number five Northmore Road. But we'll leave that to the end. So looking at the questions that were sent in, um, first of all, Carrie uh, York, who is um, one of our most faithful social media followers. She often takes part in our readathons. So I feel I'm getting to know Carrie a little bit. Um, She was a bit worried she didn't have a legitimate question, but she asked me if I had uh, a favourite colour. Now, this might seem a bit of a strange question, but it is that question which is so important to children. And it makes you wonder what it is about knowing somebody's colour that is so important. And then when you think about fantasy, you think about the role of colour. The first place that I go in my head is the colours to uh, to signify the four different houses. So obviously you're going to be all right if you're a good red, deep red, you're a good sort and you're in Gryffindor. Um, If you are... Uh, a cool intellectual blue, then you're going to be in Ravenclaw. And if you're a slightly sort of cheerful, but maybe not so brainy yellow, you're in Hufflepuff. And there's something up with the colour green, isn't there? Um, Because that sends you to Slytherin. So carrying on this thought process, I was thinking about the way we associate different colours with um, different qualities So, for example, in Alice in Wonderland, who has become associated with the blue dress, there's something about the innocence, the um, springtime nature of that blue dress that means it's been picked up as a motif, Alice of her fair hair and blue dress. And going on from that, you've got um, Peter Rabbit with his blue coat. Again, signifying a sort of young, innocent character who gets caught in fiendish traps. So you can see that asking a question about colour is not simple. And there is one particular lineup on colour, which is very problematic, and that's the black and the white version of this. 
which I think we're now trying to get away from because it, though obviously there's the element of white that's being associated with um, a, a kind of purity. So I'm thinking in terms of Tolkien, you get that in the white lady Erwin, you get that associated with Galadriel and there you get black associated with the, um, the characters such as the black riders, the colors of Mordor. But obviously because we can't escape the way language has evolved and it's become associated with um, skin colours, though that isn't where it starts off. I think as a fantasy writer, you have to move away from that black-white basis and you see that people are doing that. So they they often flip it. Uh, so in the Peter Jackson films, um, you get the the baddest of the wizards, Saruman, he's associated with white. And you get um, clearly trying to change the how we think of the uh, the way the, the orcs look so that they, they're coming out as sort of that kind of maggot-like white. So you, you challenge the way that colours become associated with certain kind of characteristics. So... That's a very long way round to answering what's my favourite colour. And unfortunately, I'm a bit of a Slytherin. I like green. But for me, green isn't the kind of snake-like problematic um, Slytherin green. It's fresh and it's spring and it's all those different colours of the leaves. I just love green. But as a sidebar, interesting, you might like to know that when I was doing a series of books with Penguin a few years ago, uh, they had a historical flavour, so they were putting historical dresses on the front. And my main character wore a green dress because I like green. Um, and also there's green sleeves and all sorts of other things from the period. I was told that green was not an auspicious colour. I wasn't allowed it on the front cover. I wonder why. We obviously have a problem with green. Okay, so that was a very full answer to that first question. We got another question from Adam Ban, who asks, who is my favourite character in the Silmarillion, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit? He said, name three, each for every book. So I think he means one for this. Yeah, I think I've got you, Adam. So starting doing that in reverse, who's my favourite character in The Hobbit? Well, Bilbo, uh, obviously, uh, because he's so funny. Uh, he is the everyman abroad He's the one who gets a cold. He's the one who comes through. He's the hero's journey. Uh, so he is my favourite character. Um, I love the invention of some quirky side characters like Smaug with his uh, clever interrogation of the burglar. I mean, they're wonderful set pieces, those. And, of course, Gollum, the riddles. Absolutely fabulous. But in terms of my favourite, it's Bilbo. So Lord of the Rings, is that's really difficult. It's a bit like saying, who's your favourite child of my three children? Because I like different characters for different things they do. Uh, again, I tend to find that I, I love Frodo because he is the one carrying the heaviest burden and even though there's a lot of other things going on, it really is his journey that is the most important. If you take him out of it, the rest of it collapses. Um, but 
I wonder, because also I, I love the fact that Erwin is there. I love the shield maiden, the one who kills uh, the Lord of the Nazgul. I mean, I love her being there. And also I love Aragorn, the idea of the returning king. I've got a soft spot for all of the hobbits. So you can see, Adam, I'm really struggling because I like all the characters. But in terms of an author, let's answer it that way. I think the character I love most is actually Gollum, because I think Tolkien was one of the first to do that very clever thing of someone who has the, the split mind. Um, I hesitate to call it schizophrenic because that's obviously a real mental illness with a proper diagnosis. But he has this divided personality. There is um, a very interesting 19th century novel called The Confessions of a Justified Sing Sinner. I think it's by James Hogg. It has uh, in an adult gothic novel way, it has in another interested divided personality. And you've got the Jacqueline Hyde, of course. But what I love about Gollum is that he is almost redeemable. And there's something about that almost which makes him fascinating and in, engages the sympathy of the reader. Okay, so I'm going to say Gollum. Oh, that's really hard, though. And finally, uh, the Silmarillion. Now, I think the Silmarillion doesn't have the same... The reason I like characters in the Silmarillion are probably because of the other things I know about them. So whenever I read it, I always look for that golden thread that is characters I love, like seeing them the mentions of the wizards or seeing the mention of Galadriel following it through. And I find some of the chapters in the Silmarillion really sad, desperately sad. So I suppose the one that I like the most is the Beren and Luthien story because it does have an uptick at the end. So I will choose Beren or am I going to choose Luthien? I'm going to choose Luthien. Yes, I will choose Luthien because she is in a way, a fairy tale hero who goes on a quest to the dungeons to find her lover. She is the Orpheus in the underworld. And there's all sorts of reversals going on there. So my favourite character is Luthien in the Silmarillion. But that was really hard um, because I have so many favourites. So, uh, Adam, you put me through it there. And the third question that we got sent in was from Abigail Pope. And her question was, what's your fantasy preference? Is it high fantasy, urban fantasy, or children's? Um, well, just to explain those terms for people who may not immediately know what she's talking about, high fantasy is the kind of high concept things like Lord of the Rings. Um, I suppose things like Game of Thrones would fit into that. Urban fantasy, they're the sort of, uh, well, as, it, as the name suggests, tend to be set in a recognisable city. I've actually interviewed a few authors who write in this genre. So you've got things like the Kate Daniels uh, series by Ilona Andrews, um, the uh, Mercy Thompson series, and so on. Um, and then, of course, children's is children's. So what is my fantasy preference? I think that... I have different, so my all-time favourite, of course, it falls in the high fantasy because that's the Lord of the Rings. 
Um, and I have many favourites in the children's. But I think for in terms of what do I read for relaxation, I tend to veer towards urban fantasy, very often because they make me laugh. And I like the sidelight that it puts on human relationships. Because what fantasy does, of course, is it kind of puts a frame around uh, issues that you recognise and and gives it a fantasy frame, but you can still see what's working on working out underneath. So, um, your adversary might be a werewolf, but we know that you can still see the dynamics of that, how they relate to everyday uh, tension in the workplace or whatever. So, I think at the moment my preference for relaxation reading is urban fantasy, and part of that is because every time I try a high fantasy book. I'm always hoping it's going to be as good as Lord of the Rings. And so far, it never has been. So uh, if anyone out there is listening and feels they've found a fantasy series which matches to that, let me know because I'm always on the lookout and I will quickly shift my preference if I find something that uh, blows my socks off in the same way as reading Lord of the Rings did when I was younger. Okay, so that's the... uh, general questions, but we did have lots of questions about the initiative for the makeover at number five Northmore Road. So just to give a bit of background to this, this came out of obviously our attempt to buy Tolkien's house, which we didn't manage. But as a local person, I already knew other people who lived in the street. Um, It is one of the (laughs) most expensive roads in the country. You know, it's just these very large houses. But I do have very good friends of the centre who live in the street. And they said, well, why not come and do the same thing? But here, just a few you know, short short distance away, so that people can come and follow their interest in Tolkien and the other inklings from an Oxford base in the very same street as Tolkien, surrounded by things that are part of the, the narrative of the Tolkien world. Um, and then carry on to do their own creative work or or scholarship. So that's what we're doing. And it's a wonderful opportunity. It means that we don't own a house there. So um, we are we are guests in the house doing this so that you can come and stay close to the place where your favourite author wrote probably some of your favourite books. So the question we had from Carolyn is does that mean if we do if we have the house that when we do our in-person courses we won't be staying anymore in Oxford colleges? Um, it depends on how many people want to come to a course. If we get small numbers, we will be in the house because we can accommodate that. If we have more people wanting to come on a course, then we'll book into uh, some of the colleges. So, Carolyn, that can be something we can discuss if you decide to come one year. We've got a question here from uh, at, well, it's, I, I'm trying to work out how you say this. It looks like made in Estet. You know who you are. Uh, and the question there is, will there be a little garden? Um, there is a garden at the house, certainly the front garden, the lovely front garden. Um, so that is, there will be lots of leafy spaces for people staying there. And she suggests that we put in a silver and a golden tree. I certainly think we should do that in terms of a silver birch and something that has gold leaves. I think putting a silver or a gold tree um, in the front garden, they may not last very long. 
they would be melted down and uh, turned into, well, maybe rings. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so Professor MCC, who I think is Mike, uh, Mike says, I cannot wait to stay. And would it be possible to do a short res residency to say work on a novel and research? We don't quite know what the pattern is of people renting. Um, we are hoping to make it available for uh, people coming to study for, say, like doing a master's in Oxford or coming for a, a study for a term. There are six bedrooms. So I think different bedrooms will be doing different things. It won't be like an Airbnb with people passing through every two or three days. It will be uh, a family, a, a made family, uh, living there and sharing spaces together and all drawn together by the fact that they love Tolkien and the Inkling. So the idea is that you share with each other and that is part of the experience so yes mike if you've got a sabbatical that's exactly the kind of thing um, that it could be used for to come and stay for a term so that was all the questions we had sent in so far uh, we always try and answer everybody's question uh, so do carry on talking to us on social media or directly by email and we will get back to you with a reply but thank you very much for listening Thanks for listening to MythMakers Podcast, brought to you by the Oxford Centre for Fantasy. Visit OxfordCentreForFantasy.org to join in the fun. Find out about our online courses, in-person stays in Oxford, plus visit our shop for great gifts. Tell a friend and subscribe wherever you find your favourite podcasts worldwide. Hi, this is Julia Golding. Are you looking for a way to find a gentle beginning to your life as a fantasy writer? Or maybe you're just wanting to brush up your existing skills, but you don't have time to come to a class. Well, we've devised for you the perfect beginner's course. You can find it on our website. The course is full of exciting chapters for you to take at your own pace starting with packing your bag and setting out on an adventure. And over the course of the lessons, you'll learn to find a hero, gather allies, and get under your belt all the basic skills you'll need to write yourself your fantasy story. So why not have a look at this today and see if it suits you? And I look forward to meeting you in our chat room, which comes along with the course. So what are you waiting for? Time to pack your bag and get writing.